Bro marketing culture and sketchy MLMs have given modern business a bad reputation. It feels harder than ever to succeed as an entrepreneur, even though we've got an abundance of info and tech right at our fingertips. If you feel frustrated running your business, stress over your sales goals, or are baffled by marketing strategies, you've come to the right place. You deserve to run a successful, sustainable business without spamming all of your friends or wasting time and money on marketing gimmicks. This is the Sell It Sister podcast, and you're going to learn how to make more money without complex systems or sleazy sales tactics. I'm Erica Tebbins, and I teach highly motivated, female, and gender expansive entrepreneurs that selling doesn't have to suck. I've been running successful businesses and teaching others how to sell smarter, earn more, and create raving fans for over 15 years. And I'm excited to share what I've learned with you. If you want success without truly serving your clients, profits without any passion, or the next get rich quick scheme, I'm not your gal. But if you're all in as an entrepreneur, want to make a difference with your work, and are ready to run a business you're proud of, then get ready to sell it, sister. If you've been in business for a minute, do you have a plan for profit that won't lead to burnout? I'm sure that you have goals, but what about the big picture view of what'll take to reach them without working yourself into exhaustion, because that is a different story. One reason having a successful business can be so tricky is that once we finally start getting clients, new problems start to pop up because now you're juggling working on your business while also having to work in it. And it's really easy to lose track of how you can keep all the plates spinning while trying to hit higher revenue months. So usually what ends up happening is you try to create new offers to bring in more money, but then you're super busy creating, promoting, and delivering them, or you're extending your working hours into your personal time and it's making you salty, or you started dropping some of the plates and it does not feel good at all. And there's zero way it's sustainable either, or maybe it's a combo of all three. The first step to fixing this is looking at the numbers, but not like a giant overwhelming spreadsheet or anything like that. Just simple data that is the most important for moving the needle forward in a more supportive way. And that is why I have a free workbook and mini training just for you. It really is super quick, super short, but massively impactful on how you will be able to make profit-based decisions moving forward in your business. And did I mention it's free? I think I did, but it's worth saying again. You can find it all at bit.ly forward slash plan for profit guide. This will be in the show notes as well, but to get the plan for profit guide, all you have to do is go to bit.ly plan for profit guide, all lowercase all one word, and you will get instant access and be able to see in a overwhelm free way, what the money makeup is for your business, and then use that to make your decisions on your next steps. Okay. on to the episode. On this episode of sell it sister, I got to talk with my friend, Audrey, who is brilliant when it comes to perfectionism. And when I say brilliant, I really, really mean it. She has done tons and tons and tons of research 
into it. And not going to lie, as somebody who feels like, oh, I'm a recovering perfectionist, which we talk a little bit about in the episode. Um, there were some things that she shared where I was like, oh, maybe I'm not as recovered as I thought. So uh, really, really good stuff. So even if you're like, I don't know, I think I used to struggle with it, but I don't think I do anymore. I'm going to say just give it a listen anyways, because you might be surprised about certain areas of your life. You're still doing it um, that you may not even realize or certain ways you are doing it in places where you're like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm fine, but it's sneakier than you realize, unfortunately. So this is definitely, definitely an episode to, to check out. And also it's really important now that we learn about this and learn how to deal with it, um, for several reasons that we talk about in the episode. So a little bit about Audrey. Audrey Hulse works with ambitious high performers to identify and address their pre-burnout and toxic perfectionism so they can fully enjoy their careers and lives. She's the creator of the Perfectionist Archetypes and founder of the Fortitude and Flow process, which fuses mindful and embodied practices to create sustainable transformation. Her work goes beyond mindset and addresses perfectionism's impossible standards at their root cause. See, like I said, different than regular, uh, you know, regular just chit chat about perfectionism. This goes much, much deeper and is so good. And I just know you are going to get a ton out of this episode. So I won't keep you here in the intro any longer. Let's head to the interview. Hello, Audrey. Welcome to the sell it sister podcast. I am absolutely thrilled that you are here and I'm incredibly excited to talk about perfectionism today. Uh, it's a, such a huge, huge thing. But first, um, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? I know there's the whole intro with your formal bio, but like, how the hell did you end up at perfectionism as a focus? <laughs> <laughs> uh, for for the uh, for the sake of time here, I'll do the I'll do the quick and dirty version of that. Um, so I. Uh, I originally was working with the symptoms of perfectionism mm. and knowing what the symptoms of perfectionism looked like uh, in myself, right? That's been one of those things that I'm not one of those people sitting on the on the mountaintop, you know, speaking unto you all about perfectionism because I have no idea what it's like to be in the trenches. No, I'm currently always in the trenches and finding my way through just as the rest of everybody else is, right? So, um, so I have always been somebody that puts a good amount of pressure on myself to do big things. Um, that has changed as time has gone on, but it's always been part of my makeup, um, thriving, you know, just this kind of internal drive has always been a, a piece of me. Uh, recently when I was going through some boxes at my house, uh, I found my, my, kindergarten report card. And it said something like Audrey is starting to get better at, you know, being okay with making mistakes. And I, I think probably things like, you know, kind of stopped about there, like, you know, in, in terms of my okayness with making mistakes, but, um, so I have my own embodied personal experiences with, with perfectionism. And I, I don't think I had the words for it at that point. Um, a lot of the work that I did over time. So I've worked with, a. 
I started with working with high, uh, high energy horses. So I did some training of horses when I was younger. So really, really high energy, uh, racehorse type horses and, and helping them calm down. And then I worked in a really, uh, intense yoga industry for over 17 years with people who were in a very a type personality practice. So mm-hmm. I was involved with those people for a really long time. And, and I started to see these, the symptoms of what at that point I was labeling as burnout, right? I was seeing people come away with burnout on a regular basis. And when I started coaching, when I started to see the people who were resonating with the way I worked and what I said, there was a lot of people with burnout. So I was like, huh, this burnout thing seems to be a thing. The more I dug into it, the more I realized that I did not want to be a burnout person. I knew a lot about it, but it's not, it was not my sweet spot in terms of how well I work with people. Mm -hmm. My current coach nailed the term perfectionism. And as soon as it landed, I was like, that's what it is. It's the, it's that human level that I like working with people on what I consider to be toxic perfectionism and that pre burnout state. So it's like Mm -hmm. before people Mm -hmm. get super crispy and fried, Mm -hmm. that's my sweet spot is working with those people who are like, things are not, things are fine, but they're not great. But if I keep going on like this, it's not going to be good. That's where I thrive. Those are where those people, uh, that I, work the best with, enjoy working the best with our. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's so cool. And I, it's, uh, it's interesting. I I didn't even know about the yoga part, which I'm like, wow, that's wild. Cause I've known you for a few years now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, my friend, uh, I have a friend who is certified yoga instructor and, um, she does mindful self-compassion work. And, uh, we talk, we, we call that type of yoga shirtless handstand yoga, because it's always like the Instagram, you know, it's like the dudes with the like shirtless doing a handstand, like proving how badass they are at yoga on, yes. on the gram. So yes. that's what we call it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I worked in a, you know, I, I, uh, I worked in a hot yoga setting. So I used to spend hours and hours and hours in a 105 degree room, um, teaching really, uh, what is a pretty intense, uh, practice for years and years and years and years and years. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's hardcore. That is hardcore. Yeah. Um, so I know that we like your, uh, we're going to talk about like perfection as survival and Mm -hmm. also like why it can't wait, like why we need to talk about this. I feel like those two things, correct me if I'm wrong, but like really go hand in hand, like kind of like how you view it and like why we need to even care so much about it right now. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Let's hit that. So perfectionists and, and this is something that I hear on a regular basis is perfectionists tend to be very intellectually aware and, and driven, meaning that they are, they know a lot. They know a lot about how they are. When I, when I did my, I did over 60 hours of interviews with perfectionists and many of them would, would call themselves recovering perfectionists. And they were aware of their perfectionism, right? They could see mm-hmm. it. They knew where it came from. When I asked them to tell their stories, they could even bring it back to like the origin of when they were little, they could, they could take that story storyline through its full arc. The thing with perfectionism is when people start to try to address it from a like heady perspective, that's not how it works because it's wired into our bodies. It's wired from mm-hmm. the neck down. It's not a, 
I just need to think differently situation. It's actually wired into how we feel safe and how we feel belonging, which is a nervous system level, not a, oh, I just need to think differently about this level, which is often where perfectionists feel like if I can figure this out, right? If I can do all the research on perfectionism, Mm -hmm. understand it perfectly, then something is going to magically change. That is the journey that many people go on and find that they're not actually getting anywhere with. Yeah. And you know, like that, I I just, I can relate so well to that because it's that thing both for myself and with a lot of my clients, it's like the desire to be like, for, for me, my trigger is messaging. Well, if I just, let me just like rework my messaging one more time. Let me like tinker with, you know, when I get the messaging perfect, then, you know, that'll be the secret sauce. Right. And it's like, Um, or like, you know, when I get the offer suite, perfect, or when I get the perfect niche, like those are kind of the things I hear. And then like, when you go underneath it, it's usually the, like, well, if I, if I change, what if, what if everything goes away? Right. Like if I raise my prices or change my audience, like what if this all falls apart? And then like, which I feel like is also just that thing of like, then what does it say about me? Right. Right. It all comes back to most of the perfectionist fear come back to some, uh, some, and and again, sometimes this is like levels and levels down, right? Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. not just sitting on the, on the surface for people, but it's some version of this fundamentally flawed thing about me. And because this thing is fundamentally flawed, it's going to impact my survival. Again, that's how my body's Mm. interpreting it, or it's going to impact my belonging with my village, which is Mm. also going to impact my survival. So that is the, on the bodily level interpretation of things, why that fear kicks off and we feel like, oh, well, I can't write. The messaging has to be right. It shows up with emails for some reason for a lot of people too. Oh yeah. People are so afraid of like sending emails to their list. Sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you, but I hear it's true. I see all the time. I I know I need to email my list, but what do I say? And I'm always like, what you just, just write to them. Like they're regular people. Cause that's what they like, but it's, I, it's, it's amazing to me. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's, but that's, that's exactly right. There's this relational quality to things, right? There, there, it's not just perfectionist in a bubble by themselves. It's perfectionist in relation to other people, business work, the world outside. That's where the things get, get messy. Yeah. And I think too, there's that level of like, um, especially in the online business community where it's like, well, if I'm not having success anymore than like, what will all my peers think? Or if I pivot, like, are they going to be talking shit about me behind my back? And yeah, things like that. Yeah. And the perception of, of other people's success based on the veneer that we see on in people's posts or in people's marketing and the perception of, of what that means about the back end. I think there's a lot of that Mm -hmm. that goes on where, oh my gosh, this person's doing so well and they're so successful and look at this launch and look at this marketing and having all of this interpretation that, well, mine doesn't look like that. So that means something. There's a lot of meaning making that comes out of what we are observing. Oh, totally. Totally. And honestly, I think that that is when I talk to clients about like feeling like they are, are like kind of like struggling to be on social media. I feel like there's a big 
part of it that is like, it, it becomes more than just like, well, I don't know what to post or like, I don't know how to make the graphics or I don't know what hashtags to use. It's that you open the app and you go to make the post and then you see what other people are posting. And then you're like, oh crap, like their graphics are so much better or like whatever, right? Like we're like, oh, they have that program and like, I should have that program or they have a podcast and I still haven't launched my pod. It's, it's that. And then you're like doing all this draining emotional labor on yourself just when like, you're just trying to make a post and like, you know, check your DMS or something like that. <laughs> yes. Yes. And this is, this is, this actually forays perfectly into for the four C's of perfectionism. Okay. So the four C's of perfectionism are comparison, which is what's often happening when you're opening. Cause this, this, in this context, it, it works out perfectly. You're comparing yourself. As soon as you get onto that app, you're not just looking at somebody's posts and saying, Oh, that's so cool. That person is doing it. It's the oh, I should be doing, or, or I said I was going to, and I haven't done There's So that comparison starts right away. There's a, there's this competition. So that's the second mm-hmm. C. So comparison competition, where it feels like there's this, it's almost like a vi- vying for resources feeling mm-hmm. where it's like, well, mm-hmm. we can't both exist in the same space and, and be successful. They win and I lose, or I win and they lose. And there's this very gross dynamic that happens there. There's the third C, which is control which is, is just kind of that general, uh, that, that shows up in all sorts of different ways. And, and a lot of that is that trying to control the outcome of something. Like if you're going to launch something, you're only going to launch it. If you're hundred percent guaranteed, it's going to be successful. Otherwise why bother? Because, mm-hmm. and then conditional relationships, which is also that thing that you touched upon in terms of, okay, well, my colleagues are only going to have any sort of positive feelings about me or only going to support me as long as I'm doing this particular thing, this particular way. These condi- these relationships are conditional. They're based on a specific uh, series of requirements. And if those series of requirements are not met, then these relationships go away. So mm-hmm. these things are very uh, common in in perfectionism. And it can, you can see why, oh my gosh, it's so stifling. If you feel like everything is contingent upon a particular way of looking at a particular way of being, um, and that you can't just show up as your full humanity because there, it seems like there are such high consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I do feel like, especially in the last couple years, um, I don't know if you follow Clementine Morgan on Instagram, sure. uh, it like, she talks a lot about, I, I think she, I think her pronouns are she, maybe she, they, um, hopefully I'm not misgendering her, uh, but talks a lot about, um, cancel culture because she was canceled and like went through that. And now she's a really big, um, like outspoken person on like the harms of cancel culture and also like the need for restorative justice and all this stuff. Yes. And I feel like, especially in the last few years, um, it's so funny, actually a past client and I were just talking about this in email, uh, yesterday about this, like this fear of like, Oh, when people are talking about like bad industry practices, it's like that, like even though like you're not doing it, but you're like, is it me? They're talking about me, aren't they? I'm probably doing something bad. I'm probably like, you know, any moment now somebody is going to say some shit about me and it's all going to be over. Like I, yeah. And I will be like exiled from the village permanently. And like, I just can't, I cannot risk that. 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the things the body is often, this is something that I, uh, we'll talk to clients about, but I think is an interesting thing to talk about in terms of the body and how we, the body translates messaging. If, if the body, uh, approximates a feeling that it's felt before it often is trying to finish the math on that. Oh, okay. Like last time I felt like this, this is what happened. So if we have any of that in our past of the, Oh, I did this thing. And like I said, this thing and this bad thing happened, maybe there's some sort of, you know, ostracization or, or bullying or something in our history, which I have, you know, it's like our body has that familiar feeling of what happened last time. And often it just finishes the sentence before our brains can even quite get there. So it, it like reacts us right into that. Oh my gosh, like the, the risks are so high before and right. We have proof in our, in our, around us, we have proof that this thing, that these things happen, right. That cancel culture has such an impact mm. and we make that automatic connection that, Oh, okay. Well, that's, what's going to happen. Like, I don't even need to mm-hmm. think about it. I just know that that's how the equation is going to end. So I can't even touch that with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like, it's so, in, this is, I don't know. It just fascinates me. Like, I I'm so glad we're, we're talking about this. So I, uh, I would love to know, cause uh, like in regards to why we need to be having this discussion and obviously you're going to talk about like what people can do about it too. Sure. And, and there are things that like, even just from what we've said so far, where I'm like, yes, it can't wait. Like this, all this stuff is like, it's holding good people back. I see it every day, but I would love to hear from you, especially because you have been studying this for so long. Why do you feel like this is an urgent thing that we need to be addressing? Uh, there are so many, <laughs> so many layers, layers here. First of all, Uh, research on perfectionism in in adolescence is showing that perfectionism is not making kids better or uh, like more resilient. It's actually making them more anxious and more depressed. So we've got this, Mm -hmm. this, this, this new generation coming up who have these standards that they are trying to hit that like at young ages, they are dealing with anxiety and depression due to perfectionism. So that's a really bad scene, first of all. And so uh, a lot of it, if you're like, okay, well, and I don't, children are not my specialty, but listen, I'm, I'm working with the parents, right. Mm -hmm. I'm working with the people who may be having those kids. So I think it's really important to have these things in our awareness. I think another thing that's really important is that just that what you were talking about, this polarity, the right or wrong, that Mm -hmm. sort of either, or is that survival mindset. And that is the perfectionist orientation is this thing is right. This thing is wrong. I have to get it right. And that's just not reality. Reality is very nuanced. It's the Mm -hmm. both and it's being able to hold that not only mentally, but it's actually like a physical holding, like the physical holding in my body of these two, two things can be true at the same time, which is a really revolutionary thing for people to be understanding Mm -hmm. that like these two truths can exist in the same space together. And that can be really uncomfortable. And yet that can be, that can be reality. And that can be my reality, right? It can be true that this thing is true about me and this thing is true about me. And I can, I can let that be. And that's, that's a lot of, that's what's important in business. You can't, mm-hmm. if you're always on that, I did this right. I did this wrong. I did this right. I did this wrong. Um, it's tough to move from that, from that place. And in terms of what it does to your nervous system and your body over time, 
there becomes this uh, perfectionism becomes this essentially low level chronic stress. It becomes this load on your system on a regular basis, which raises your baseline in terms of where your body wants to come back to homeostasis. So if mm. I'm, I'm, I'm motioning with my hands at like, you know, the bottom of the screen. So, so if this is where, where homeostasis is down here with con- constant and chronic loads of stress, uh, usually the body is always trying to anticipate and figure out what's next. So it can be more efficient next time. Well, with chronic stress, your baseline starts to rise. So now um, again, I get a motion with my hands since you can't see me. So now my baseline is, you know, say three inches higher than it used to be. This is where I'm living now, but I don't know. This is, so this mm-hmm. is all of the, the hormones in my system, uh, the reactions in my system, my ability to handle things. Everything is just on a slightly shorter, uh, a shorter, what's the word I want? Like a wick, you know, like a shorter, yeah. shorter, shorter fuse because my baseline is so much higher. And so now I have this kind of chronic, uh, the hormones are running when they're not supposed to be running. You know, the, my, my short, uh, fuse is shorter because again, my baseline is raised. So this is just has an, a, an effect on how we think it affects how we can make decisions. It affects our body at a physiological level. So perfectionism over time can be really damaging mentally, Mm -hmm. physically, emotionally. I mean, it's a really huge problem. And like I said, it is starting younger and younger and younger, and is going to be a bigger and bigger problem as we go on. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, um, I am not as much of a perfectionist now, uh, like not, not by a long shot. Um, and thank goodness, but I, I feel like that's only been in the last few years, mm-hmm. like maybe since like 2017. Cause I, I did burn out at the end of 2016. And then I was just like, I have to find a different way forward. Like this is not sustainable. We cannot be doing this. Um, but always as a kid, like I did really well in school. Like I was, I'm that person where I'm like, I could never fathom my classmates that just wouldn't turn in homework I'm like, I'm sorry. That is not an option, right? It doesn't matter if you have to stay up all night or whatever. Like you don't just get to not turn in homework. Like that's bizarre, right? Like I just, I couldn't even comprehend. And like, um, like I always have like the, the, I say like the Ron Swanson quote, like I don't, uh, like don't half-ass two things, like whole ass one thing. Like I am somebody (laughs) like when I do something, like I'm like, I'm here, I'm all, I like, I'm all in. And, uh, but I know from, uh, when my son was younger, cause he's 17 now and we would, we homeschooled him, um, for most of his childhood. And so there was this level on me that was like, well, he has to do well or else I have fucked up. Right. Right. Like, right. I, I have, I've, I'm already going against the status quo. I've already removed myself from a village. Yes. Um, because he did go to school for a while. That was scary feeling like the judgment and everything, but I was like, no, we're going to do this. But then I was like, even though I'm, I'm not like a helicopter mom, I'm not like, I'm not any, I'm not like that as a parent at all, but it was like, I would get for certain things. I would get a ton of anxiety if he wasn't getting something like repeatedly. And I can look back now and go, oh, I know exactly what that was. It was a lot of fear. It was a lot of like scarcity of like, 
well, if he, if he can't do this, like, how's he ever going to have a job? How is it, you know, like, I'm right. just like going 20 years into the future. Um, and I, and I see it now. I actually was just tell, like talking to him yesterday about this, but he is in a college program and he totally has perfectionist tendencies with his schoolwork. And we've actively said like, you don't have to work like, right. Like we've tried to, to backpedal on it, but I know. And like, my husband is the same, like he was in the Navy, like the nuclear Navy, like you cannot fuck up. There are no fuck ups, right? Like it has to be perfect. And so I actually like can say, I see the harm that's caused because my son is a very chill person. He's not a type a person, but I'm like, Oh, I, I definitely think like, I I'm pretty sure this one's on us. Um, and so, yeah, like if I could do it differently, I a hundred percent would, but I know it came from like, I hadn't done this where I, I didn't know then what I know now. So I couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's all of our experience, all of our experiences right. as kids, right. People's experiences as parents, it's that it's just like the, the same story in a different, different context, different time period, all that sort of stuff. And like a hundred percent. And it's, um, you know, I think that it's such a, I'm actually curious to hear what your turning, what you said, it's, you said you went through this burnout and you've kind of, it's like, it seems like for you, there was like a turning point where something shifted for you after that burnout, where your perspective is different. Are you open to sharing, like sharing that story a little bit? Cause I think that might be helpful for people to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So I basically was like, I feel like by nature, I am a workaholic. Like I feel like both of my, my parents are, cause like my mom is retired, but she's like busy, busy, busy all the time. Um, and my dad is like a true workaholic and, uh, it, and I, like when I love my work, I love doing it. Like I, I want to put time and energy into it. Um, but I realized that it was coming with all these other costs. And then it got to a point kind of like why I decided to homeschool. Like, it's like where you come to that crossroads and you go like both of these ways forward are come with their own challenges, but like, I can no longer tolerate the challenges or the sacrifice or whatever that comes with one. Right. So like, I, uh, I was like unhappy seeing my son unhappy, like in the American public school system. Uh, and I like, and I was just like, I can't, I I can't like, right. So I'm going to make different sacrifices now to homeschool him. And I feel like it was like, with my business as well. I just was like, I don't know how I'm going to make this work. I, I just, I am taking it on some sort of faith that I'm smart enough and hardworking enough and stubborn enough to figure it out. But I was like, I see, cause I used to sell products. Mm-hmm. I was like, I see people in the online space who are making it work, right. They, they work for themselves. They work from home. They only need their laptop. Right. And they, they're making it work. Cause a couple of my friends had already in like 20, like late, like 2015, 2016 had a couple of them had moved into the world of online business. And so I was like, okay, well, if people can figure this out, I'm going to figure this out because 
I, I, I just have to. And so, um, and I actually kind of feel like I'm going through this, like now, like there's like a new level thing of having to have like belief or trust Mm -hmm. that like it gets to be easier and better and more lucrative. Like it's, it's not the either, or I I actually have this in my marketing. Like it's not the either, or it's the both. And like, yep. I get to now show up hundred percent as myself, like facial piercings, weird hair, whatever, very like quote unquote unprofessional, like what all the nuns in my Catholic high school were like, you'll be, you'll amount to nothing, right? Visible tattoos, right? Like I am living a life now that I never thought was possible, but like, yeah, it took, it took burnout and like a whole shit ton of like, God, I hope this other thing works out in order to, to get there. And I feel like where I'm at now is, is like, I want a new level and I've been trying to acclimate my nervous system to again, have the belief of like, Oh, even though your life is a million times better now than you ever imagined it would be like, it can keep getting better while it keeps getting easier. Yes. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, totally. And that's, it's such a good point. And I think that, um, like one of the things when I hear your story is that concept of faith in yourself. And I think that's one of the things that is really challenging. And I'll, I'll just say for maybe people who are listening, who are like, well, yeah, like, but I don't have that personality. I don't really have that personality either, which is why I've surrounded myself with people who I believe see me and my work really well. And will Mm. say, Hey, you're like, you're missing this. You're not seeing this. Hey, listen, you're doing really well over here. Like keep going. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because for me, I need a lot of that external, like village, uh, reacclimation for my nervous system, because it's much easier for me to just like, kind of go it alone. And that may or may not work for me. I've realized what I need is I actually need that village support, which was really, really hard for a long time to help me kind of hold that vision and have that belief for me when I'm not able to have that belief for myself. So I think that like, if people are listening and can resonate with, with your story or with my story, know that like, there's not one way, right? Like there Mm -hmm. are different ways to approach it. And what's the, like, what's the flavor combination that's going to work with you to help you through whatever it is, because everybody has a different way. And I think that process is such a piece of that perfectionism too, is like that process needs to work for you. And I know that Erica will say this. I will say this. If the process isn't working for you, it's the wrong process for you. It has mm-hmm. to be a process that works for you to get you where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, um, going back to the, like, it's right or wrong thinking. And I think this is where it gets tricky in the online space, right? Because if you don't know, like, if you don't know what you don't know in running a successful online business and people are marketing something to you as like, even if they're not saying it's the right way, they're like, oh, it's a right way. Like it's a, it's a really good, like, oh, having a, you know, I don't know, like having a course, it's a really smart way to grow. Right. Or having a membership or having, you know, or like what, whatever the, the thing is, right. Like, um, I think it often gets positioned as like, oh, you, you need this, like, you're going to need this to succeed. And so 
people buy into those things and then they're in there and then they realize like, this doesn't feel good or it's not working. I'm not getting the same results as other people or whatever. And I think a lot of times instead of being like, oh man, this is just, I guess this is just like, not right for me. What a bummer. I need to find a different solution. It's a lot of like self-blame and shame. Like, well, if this is working for other people, like I see all these great like case studies or testimonials, like why isn't it working for me? Right. Right. Which is why I think it's really important to have some external feedback on these things too, to be like, Hey, is it something that I'm right? I want to have my trusted, I want to have my coach. I need to have colleagues that have done things that I haven't done before, because I may not have enough knowledge to know whether it's something that I'm doing that is just needs some time or whether it's just not a good fit. And obviously if it's feeling uncomfortable, it may be just a part of that cycle, right? It takes right. Some, some time to get going, or maybe it is a wrong fit. So I think it is important to have those uh, external um, validators sometimes just to give you that to, to, cause that's one of those things too, where we start to learn about ourselves is like when we're very little, right. We learn about ourselves through other people, like through mm-hmm. what we are, what we are mirrored. And, and, and I think that that, that learning continues on as, as we go along. And one of the, the things that I just went through is um, I am somebody who's also, I'm wired, I'm wired to work hard. And I often am not able to track that I am working hard because it's mm. normal for me. So yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm dealing with this. I've had this like neck tension that's been going on for a few weeks. And like, I went to the acupuncturist and the spasm in my back was so bad that I literally bent the acupuncturist needles. And, um, and my husband's like, well, you know, you seem a little bit, maybe you're stressed. And I'm like, but I don't feel stressed. And then, you know, and I, so I mentioned this to my coach and and she basically like gave me this laundry list of things I've been working on. Like, you know, it, it might be time for time for like a down cycle for you. And it's like, oh, okay. But again, these are things yeah. if you're a hard worker. You may just be wired to not really notice these things because it's kind of part of your usual way of working. So for me, I need those people to be like, Hey, yeah, you've been going at it. Like somebody said something about today, like, Oh, you got a big day today. I'm like, do I, I don't know. This seems like a normal day. So having those sort of reality checks from the outside is really, is, is super important. You need that internal guidance, which you start to connect to. And you also need those external people that you can trust. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such a good point. And I, I feel like, I I mean, not even, I feel like I know I would not be where I am and like feel how I feel about myself in a good way without my like close friends and communities and stuff. Like it really has made the biggest difference, uh, all along. And it's why I generally speaking, when I invest in coaching, it's group programs because I want a community. Like I, I want that. Um, and oh my gosh, the thing about like, yeah, it feels like a lot or like you're, you're doing a lot and you don't even realize it. It makes me think of somebody on Twitter. And I know this has been like screenshot and shared. It was like, oh, I was talking to my therapist and about me doing my best. And she was like, but if you're always doing your best, that's not your best. It just becomes your new normal. And then like, you can't top it, you know, like you, there's nothing else above it. (laughs) That is, that is such a perfectionist thing. And the, the level starts at 110%. 
Yeah. And then every, if you can hit that 110% every single time the bar gets raised, this is something yes. that I, again, in those interviews over and over again, it was like, well, that it's just natural that people don't even think of any other way. Like that's the only way there is, is I have to do 110%. And then the next time I got to do better. There's always mm-hmm. this like ongoing betterness scale, um, which is just when you, when you think about that, it's like, wow, wow. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's impossible. Like you are literally setting yourself up for an impossibility and for extreme burnout at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And I think too, it's like, um, the, you know, just, I'm like picturing back to things like, uh, my days are a lot more like generally like spacious and stuff now, like by design. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can think back to when I was running a different business, homeschooling my son, like doing all of this and like thinking about like, oh, my day is so jam packed. But like, I also remember at that time still feeling like, oh, there's so many things I'm not getting to though. Yes. Like I was so busy and like always on the go. And yet it was like, oh, but I'm not reading enough or I'm not cooking enough or I'm not like whatever. It was never, there was no amount of whatever that would ever be enough because something would always have to be put to the side just like, because this is life, right? Like, but, uh, but yeah, like I, I would never look at like what I have achieved, um, just what I had not yet achieved. Totally. I think there is this weird, um, I, I can totally relate to that feeling. And there's this weird unspoken expectation that somehow it all can be done, right? That you can have it all and check everything off your to-do list and all the things you want to do and have to, right? That somehow that, that it's realistic that right. all of that can happen. That's BS. I'm sorry. Like, I'm just going to burst some bubbles here. Like it, yeah. there are when you are doing things well, there are other things you will not be doing well. And that is humanity. And that is mm-hmm. human capacity. And that is the, the, you know, constraints of time. And unless you're able to delegate and hire out a lot of these things that you can't do, that is something that, that you have to get on board with at some point. Yeah. Which again, yeah. that's part of the practice of perfectionism. Totally. And I think now it's like, uh, what I've noticed in myself and my clients, cause you know, my clients are, you know, go-getters and stuff too, is, you know, as we live through like many horrors of the world and life and late stage, you know, capitalism and, and all of these things, um, our bar is, has been forced to be lowered because yes. we can't keep up. And I feel like it's almost made it worse because now there's that other added layer of judgment of like, well, I'm fine. I'm safe. I'm okay. My family's okay. Like I'm still making money, you know, all of these things. And it's like, because it's intangible, like we, we cannot see like the weight of the suffering 
on us, like that we just know is like happening and that we're, you know, consuming like in the media or whatever. And I feel like that is just, uh, it's, it's that feeling of like, I used to be able to do so much. Like, why can I do, I do three things in a day and I'm exhausted and like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's three. Oh, let me see. Let me see if my brain can hold the three things that came up for me as you were talking about that. (laughs) Yeah. The first thing being, um, yes, the collective has an impact on us. We are humans with nervous systems, nervous systems interact with each other and create impact. Um, just as like an example, if you are around somebody who is, you're on a coworker that's stressed, it will increase your cortisol by 26%. If you are on zoom with somebody that's stressed, it will increase your cortisol by 24%. So just being in around somebody who is experiencing stress affects us. Right. So that's not just like some woo woo thing. That is, that's a legit actual studied phenomenon. So that's a piece of it. So we, we can't talk about us not being impacted by the collective. Like that is, Mm -hmm. that's real. Um, the other piece of that is that I think that, uh, one of the, I've had been having a lot of conversations about capacity. And I think that there is a, um, something that I've, I've been curious about is it's very possible that our capacities are, you know, perhaps what they were before, but our inability to, to go over our capacity has been limited. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, we're just like our tolerance for being over capacity is limited. So now mm-hmm. we're starting to hit our capacity and be like, you know what? I don't have it in me to push past anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't have it that push past it. The other thing that I've, um, that I think creates issues. And I've seen this with clients is people are anybody who is aware of their, um, their, their relative privilege in, in the state of things being on fire and things being Mm -hmm. really rough in a lot of places collectively, as I think some people tend to jump to gratitude before they've actually felt the impact that they need to feel about how reality is for them. So what Mm -hmm. I mean by that is people will say, like, I will have clients be like, well, I'm really struggling with X and they'll like start into that sentence and immediately cut themselves off and be like, but I'm so grateful that like, I have the resources that I have and I'm Mm -hmm. able to, you know, care for Mm -hmm. And I say, listen, yes. And you can't cut your, you can't cut yourself off from what you need to feel by throwing in gratitude first. Like that's not, Mm -hmm. that's actually not a beneficial thing. Like you need to feel the bad, you need to feel the feelings of impact. You need to feel the things you're struggling with. You need to feel that at a level that you can deal with them before you throw in the like, but I'm so grateful. Like, yes, sure. But like, let's make sure that we are addressing again, all of these things, like feeling the impact of these things so that we can actually move through them and deal with them as opposed to essentially numbing ourselves out with this kind of level of, but I'm so grateful, but, but my system is not okay based on all of the things that are happening. So that's, those are my three little points on, on what you just said there. And I think it's important. Yeah. I, uh, I have never heard it put that way before about like cutting off the feelings that you need to feel like with gratitude, like bypassing your feelings with gratitude. That is fascinating. I feel like I'm going to be like, it's like when you see it, you can't unsee it. One of those things It is one. It's something you will track. You will, you will track it in clients moving forward. I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so that is just, yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to be like thinking on that all day for sure. I love it. So, okay. So we know it's obviously it's like wreaking havoc. It's not good. So what can people start to do about it? So one of the big things that perfectionism does is it takes people on a journey away 
It takes them on the, all the things that are going to go wrong in the future. It's going to take them on all the bad things that are going to happen. It's going to orient them towards something outside of themselves. So the biggest practice is, and, and this is so annoying to anybody that's a perfectionist because it's very slow and it's very basic, but it's just starting to really embody the practice of noticing. So it's very basic because again, our brain wants to go off and talk about concepts. It wants to talk about the things out there. I want people to just start orienting towards literally what's in front of them. What's in the room around you? What is your physical body doing? What are the sensations inside your body telling you? Because this is what's in the moment right now that you actually have influence and awareness over, which perfectionism does not live here. Perfectionism lives somewhere else. It's out there. So just starting to have people gain information from their immediate present surroundings themselves and their physical surroundings, and even what is happening in their brains, how they process information. Are they visual? Are they thought process? Are they sensational? Just starting to get to know themselves is the very basic piece because once people start to orient towards themselves and as a physical being moving on a physical planet, it starts to be easier to move away from the but I'm not that over there. And I'm not that over there it, because they mm-hmm. start to realize, oh, this is me right here. Like the, the physicality of me is this. And it gives you something to orient back towards over and over again, which is if we were just humans on the planes, just walking around, that's how we would be functioning is we'd be using all of the information around and within us to make decisions, which still is the best place to be Mm -hmm. making your decisions from even in a world that is filled with technology and concepts and, um, you know, the internet, which is a whole, it's like being oriented towards 15 different, you know, uh, ecosystems at the same time, which is very overloading for our brains. Yeah. Super, super overloading. And I feel like it's just, yeah, it, it makes you, it's it like, makes you think or like have to pay attention to, or the feeling of having to pay attention to a lot of things at any one given time. Um, which yeah, it's just, uh, I actually like, I I can give a real example. Cause I've been, I don't know if you know, uh, Jade Duggan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so I am in her for future sake program. So it's all about spotting the phenomena, like just like, you know, what you're talking about. And this literally happened the other day. It was like, you get the email. That's like the vague email, like, Oh, do you have 10 minutes for a call? And I was just like, Oh my God. Like it was from a client. I, and I was immediately like, all like 10 miles ahead of like, mm-hmm this is, this is going to be terrible. Like I, I just, I the panic set in immediately, immediately. And, and it was like, it was all of those things of like, I could feel it in my body in many different ways. And I literally had to just be like, wait, wait, what's the phenomenon? What's happening? Yes. You read words on a screen. Yes. And now all of a sudden, like your heart is beating fast. Your face is flushed like your stomach hurts, what's happening. And then it was like, oh, okay, let's, let's backtrack. Like, let's look at what's actually happening. Let's get on the call and figure it out and trust that like, if it really is 
quote unquote bad, that you have community and resources and support. Like you, you can, you can do this, but I feel like so much of that, like with everything you've been saying is that, is that feeling that is like rooted in like the right or wrong. I either get it right with every client all the time, or I get it wrong, even in like the smallest way. And I'm terrible and horrible and I should never sell anything ever again. Yes. Yes. And what you gave is a perfect example of the framework I use, which is noticing and discernment as the first two steps, right? You noticed, you caught yourself. You were like, oh, I noticed something is happening here, right? Before you went down a total shame spiral or what, before you went down the rabbit hole, you found yourself staring at the top of the rabbit hole going, whoa, hold up. I'm staring down the rabbit hole, right? That's that noticing and starting to use those muscles. And then the discernment piece comes from, okay, well, given all this information, like now what, right? What is that information? And it's such, it's such an important thing because the perfectionist two-step is very reactionary. The perfectionist two-step is to see it and nail it, see it and get it right. It is just reactionary. It's working off of, of conditioned instinct essentially. And it's not making those, those conscious decisions. And, um, Oh, what was I going to say about that email piece? First of all, completely relatable. I, <laughs> I've done that, that same thing. As soon as you said it, I was like, oh yeah, I recognize that panic rabbit hole. Oh, what I want to say about that is that uh, it, it makes sense from an evolutionary st- standpoint also, because this is the other thing, right? If, if people are listening, going like, well, I wish that I had different reactions. Okay. Well, let's slow that down too, because that's, mm-hmm. let's talk about humans. Let's talk about why humans survive. Let's talk about the fact that it is better to panic and survive a threat than it is to assume something good is going to happen and then to be eaten by a tiger, right? Mm-hmm. It's better to assume that that stick on the ground is a snake that's going to bite you as opposed to seeing that thing and just being like, oh, it's just a stick. Mm-hmm. So when you have the conditions like reading an email to slow down and be like, whoa, okay, I'm safe, right? Like nothing in this immediate situation is actually a survival thing okay, now I can slow things down, but it makes sense that our bodies jump to survival first, right? Keep the Mm -hmm. body alive first. And that's what happens over and over and over again. So one of the things that we start to do, like with my clients is orienting towards things that are good because often perfectionism is oriented towards all the things that will go wrong and their bodies have not really acclimated, like when they go into a room, right, they're scanning for all the threats in the room, as opposed to all the opportunities in the room, all Mm. the good things in the room, Mm -hmm. which again, in business, you do want to be seeing the opportunities and the good things and not just threats. Yeah, that is, that is so, so, so key. And I'm glad that you like tied it into like, yeah, like if you, if you're at a networking event, right. It's like, it's not that like everyone's going to hate you and they they're going to think you suck. Like they might think you're amazing and yeah, you got to give yourself the opportunity. And what's hilarious. Like, so I did, I got on, I hopped on a quick zoom. I had time before a call and it was literally nothing. It was like, I'm, I'm just pivoting. I'm, I decided I'm going to pivot and like, is this okay? Can you still help me? And I was like, oh yeah, totally. I think that's rad. <laughs> right. It was time that it was nothing. Like it was literally nothing. And I just was like, oh my God. Okay. But I'm really like, I'm super glad that I, that I had caught it, but yeah. And I mean, so I, I definitely want you to talk about and, and brag on what you do and how people can 
get help with this. If they are like nodding along, like I feel personally attacked by this (laughs) podcast episode. You're speaking to me because I mean, like I said earlier, I've known you for a few years. Like I know you're the real deal. If somebody were to say like perfectionism, you are the first person that comes to mind. So Mm, thank you. Yeah. 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 So one-on-one is really the, like one-on-one is really a great start with perfectionism. It, it, it is really good in a group setting over time, but in the beginning, when you're really diving in, you're really making those changes, things can be really scary. And it's nice to just have sort of like a focal point, have somebody like me, who's like, listen, I, I know where all the boulders are. I know where the big trees that you're going to get to and be like, I can't climb over that tree. So it's really good to have that, just that one-on-one support initially. And I have a framework around perfectionist archetypes. So if people are interested, if they go to my site, fortitudeandflow.com slash perfectionist, you can read about the archetypes and see if you resonate with those things, because that is, you know, some people look at the archetypes and be like, okay, I got a little bit of that, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. And it just gives you a framework for where perfectionism may be showing up and some ways in which the work that I do can be helpful. Yeah. That's so cool. I have forgotten that you had that. I knew that you had it. And then I forgot, but now I know probably because I don't talk about it enough, Erica, that's probably (laughs) why. (laughs) So I need, I need to go back and and check it out. So it's going to be like, yeah, girl, you're a mess. Uh, no, but I, I will say like, I, um, like two, two things on that, like just to like vouch for how essential the, the neck down work is, is like, I truly credit that to every big leap I've ever had. Like it all comes down to self-trust and when I feel safe and I feel like, okay. Yeah. Like here. Oh yeah. It it will be okay. If I raise my prices because like, yeah, that's totally worth it. Right. It's kind of like why I always say like, I don't love the blanket advice of like, just double your rates or just triple your rates. Because I'm like, in my opinion, if your body is not on board, you will either totally choke on a sales call yep. or you won't even get sales calls because you won't be marketing it because you're terrified that somebody will get on a sales call and you'll have to quote that price. Right. Yes. So, um, I think that that is really key. And also I, it's funny because right before this, I was coaching in my group program and we were talking about how we were talking about kind of like a lot of this, like up-leveling stuff. And I was like, I just need y'all to know that like everyone is fucked up in some way online. Like I am just telling you the people you look up to, like I posted on Facebook yesterday about it. Somebody who I respect and admire told me that a couple years ago when we did a coffee chat, she was like nervous. She had imposter syndrome. And I was like, to talk to me, right? Like I'm nobody. What are you, are you joking? Like she was like, no, really. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to like, like have a moment of vulnerability on Facebook. And I was basically like, yeah, I like to all the people who maybe like view me in this like certain way, let me just give you a sprinkling of the negative thoughts that I have on a recurring basis. And like, and I'm sharing it as a reminder to let you know that like literally everyone, even the most successful people have some fucked up shit that they are telling themselves or believing about themselves. Like it, 
let me guess this. Does it involve blowing up your business on like a semi-regular basis? Because I mean, I can't relate to that at all. (laughs) It's literally, it's like, I do, I have it in me to be a barista again. Could I, I'm like, I'm going to go back to cleaning horse stalls. I think I'm more, uh, more, uh, you know, my skills are better used in that capacity, you know? Totally. Totally. And it can be like the simplest thing, but I mean, and I also say like, again, a lot of the people I surround myself with, they're also doers. They're high achievers. They're really driven. Like they want to keep reaching the next level, like whatever that is that they're setting for themselves in business, which is really cool. But also it's like, it has its shadow side, which is like every, you know, a bunch of the stuff we talked about today and also like other stuff, like fear that it's all going to like dry up tomorrow. And Mm -hmm. like, just all, all of this like fatalistic thinking. And, and I do, I think that part of it, not to keep like rambling on and on, but like, I, I really think, and I, I want to hear from you what you think about this. I think it's very much rooted in like a school rubric system, right? Like, because how I was saying, like when I was younger, you know, with school, like it's really around school, right? If I do this very clear thing, I should get either an A or a B, right? I'm going to do well, right? If I do certain things, I'm going to do well, no matter what. And then as when you're an entrepreneur, there's no rubric, there's no rules. Like it's so open-ended that it feels like, well, if somebody could just give me like boxes to check, I'm really good at checking boxes. And if it came with a guarantee of results, like perfect, but it's like, oh, none of that is available. Like not now, not ever. So I would love to hear what you think about like the rubric thing. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I a hundred percent agree. And I think that even on top of that is the thing that, you know, there is this on top of the school, that school setting, if you don't get the A or the B, or if you do terribly, you don't get a do-over. You get a terrible mm-hmm. score and then they move on to the next thing. You don't get a chance to learn. You get a, don't get a chance to say, hey, let me study differently. Hey, tell me what I didn't understand on that. Let's try it again. That doesn't exist. Yeah. You get fed specific information. You get tested on it once and that's it. That's your grade. There's no, there's no learning. There's no like, oh, well, let's figure out how we can do this better the next time. Cause there's no next time they just move on. So I think that that can also create that. Like I've only got one chance. That's very perfectionist orientation is also is I only get one shot and I got to nail it. Mm -hmm. And if I don't nail it, bad things are going to happen. Right. There's that sort of feeling about it, which I've, I can go right back to that, that school orientation of like, you got to get that good, right. The good, grade, good, Mm grade, good, grade, which I also was high achiever, teacher's pet, whatever you want to call in, you know, in school. Um, and yes, I a hundred percent agree. Like I want somebody to tell me exactly what to do every single day and what boxes I need to check. And I still, to this day, Erica, and to anybody listening, I'm like, am I spending my time? Well, like, am I doing what is really the best thing to do in my, what do other people do with their days? I literally have, like, I think about this in my head. I'm like, how do people other spend their time? Like, am I spending my time the best? Should I be doing something differently? Like what do entrepreneurs actually do all day long? Like I literally have these conversations with myself sometimes. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Right. Entrepreneurship is so you can do whatever you want and whatever works for you. And 
there is the curse in that where you're like, well, there's so many options that sometimes I feel paralyzed as to which ones I should pick. Right. So it's a, yeah, it's a very interesting, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's my perspective too. I'm, I'm there with you. It's a mess. And I do, and I do think that there is sort of that, like, uh, light and shadow side where it's like, People like the people we're talking about make brilliant entrepreneurs because they are so driven and so stubborn and will, you know, keep pushing ahead. But also it's like all the stuff that we've been talking about, like lives within those people. I actually, I have some friends who are very chill, like also like one who also homeschooled her kids, like our kids are friends, like And she like, that's what she did. Like she does things that light her up, like, especially as the, as her kids got bigger and she didn't need to be as hands-on, like she does a lot of creative projects, but like, that's what she does. Like she's mom homeschooling her kid. And like, and, and I have thought there have been different times where I'm like, maybe I should just chill out and just do that. Just be right. Like just exist and like follow like creative passions and whatever. And like, and I've, I've said this to her too. Right. And, and then I'm like, but then I think about it and I know I would never be happy that right there. I a hundred percent, I was talking with a client the other day who was like they're you know, in their heart of hearts, they want to just live this like Zen life where things are peaceful because they live in chaos on a regular basis. And they're Mm -hmm. like, they just want, they have this desire for this sort of peace and harmony, all this sort of stuff. But I'm like, you're not built like that. You would be bored in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. You would be bored out of your skull. You're a doer, you're a creator. It's like, that's what lights you up is interacting with people. And like, that's the thing that consistently has been shown to work for you. So like, how do you weave in these moments in your existing life, right? How do you make these be part of your existence as opposed to this like whole other lifestyle? And I I totally agree with you. Like if we need those, if we feel like we need a little more peace, if we feel like we need a little more calm, it does not mean we need to blow up the existing model. It just means like, okay, this is an aspect of something that I feel like it's like a nutrient that I'm just not Mm -hmm. getting enough of in my day, right? Like I just need to supplement this in my day a little bit more in my life a little bit more to feel like that is getting fed essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And like to be able to do that, like the somatic work that you do with people to Mm -hmm. like, like almost like, like increase their tolerance to the stuff that is naturally incurring and will come up and will ultimately stand in their way or burn them out. Right. Like, right. Um, a lot of so. it is increasing your tolerance to goodness because perfectionists are often very tolerant to the go, go, go. And their system actually interprets the downregulation and the calmness as a threat because it's not familiar with it. So there actually is an orientation that takes to getting used to being really uncomfortable with that slowing down because it feels actually the body interprets it as something is wrong because it's not used to it. So that's like a whole journey. Oh my God. I, I, I will not keep you, but I feel like I could do a whole other hour just talking about that. Like I love talking about it. So yes, me, <laughs> me getting me reacclimating my body to doing less, I feel like is it's still, it's still a practice. I mean, it took me, 
I'm going to say a good, probably 18 months to realize I did not have to put in the same working hours as my husband, Mm -hmm. that he wouldn't stop loving me if I wasn't air quotes suffering at work as long as he was Uh, spoiler alert. He does not want to be an entrepreneur. He loves his work. It's not suffering. He doesn't care. It's totally fine. Um, Meanwhile, I never brought this up to him. I was never like, are you going to be offended if I'm, if I have these real like loosey goosey casual days? Like, no, I had just told my story that I would be unloved if I had it easier and better. My perception of easier and better. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Amen to just unraveling all of these stories, getting them out into the air and doing things differently moving forward. Love it. Totally. Totally. Well, this was awesome. I won't, I won't, uh, you know, keep you, but definitely, um, all of Audrey's, uh, info where to find you, everything is going to be in the show notes so that you can check out and find your archetype, your perfectionist archetype and learn more about her and definitely, you know, reach out and and say hi, but thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for the conversation. This was awesome. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the sell it sister podcast. If you loved it and you want more, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode and then head on over to sellitsisterhood.com to join my free Facebook community group. And as your mama said, sharing is caring. So if you got a lot of value out of this episode, be sure to share it with your biz besties too, okay? Now get out there and sell it, sister.